most of us, if we would, take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. I want to give you this morning a biblical formula for victorious living. I don't believe there's a Christian here today who wants to fail. I mean, who, who in the world ever wants to fail in anything? I mean, we want to be a success. We want to be a success in school. We want to be a success at our job. And if you're a Christian, you want to be a success as a Christian. But how can you live victoriously in a world that we live in? We are hearing all around us excuses of why we can't be what we need to be because of somebody else that's next to us or around us because of society. We are living in a day when um, it seems like we have a whole uh, nation of, um, of people that is, uh, uh, well, they, they are blaming someone else. It's always someone else's fault. I don't have a, an opportunity and, and uh, giving excuses. Christian, you and I have no excuse. I'll just start that off this morning here. I want to encourage you to uh, follow with me here in the Word, but let me just give you a couple illustrations here. Two people, each claiming to be a Christian, they both lose their job at the same time. One falls into a very just severe, deep depression, while the other returns himself and, and uh, uh, you know, he, he returns to the workforce, retrains himself, and uh, uh, enters an entirely new field of employment. In fact, he discovers more fulfillment than he ever could have had had his former place of employment. Now, the difference? One followed God's formula for victorious living while the other did not. Two people, each claiming a personal relationship with Jesus, are struck with a terminal disease. One gives up on life and hides themselves in the rest of the world while the other maintains a very positive outlook and is an inspiration to others. The difference, again, one followed God's formula for success, the other did not. Two people, each claiming to know the Lord, they're wronged by someone else and one develops a deep resentment and a bitterness toward the wrongdoer, and they spend the rest of their life unable to trust others, while the other, uh, he uh, decides to forgive, and he decides to pray for the person that wronged him. And over time, he's able to put the unpleasant episode behind him and move forward with a life. The difference, one, again, followed the Lord's uh, formula for victorious living, the other did not. Two churches. In the same community, they experience a downturn in the local economy. I think we're there now, aren't we? One church cuts its budget, cuts its missions program, cuts all of its programs. They decide that they will uh, have to accept the fact that times are slow. And so they will be uh, doing well just to maintain things. And so they commit themselves to holding on or maintaining the status quo. Well, over time, their giving and attendance take a nosedive. The other church, by contrast, they decide to step up its outreach during this time. And uh, their, their, their belief is that people, people may be more responsive to the Word of God because they're in desperate times. And so they uh, 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 step up their outreach 
in the hope of reaching people with the gospel. And as a result, uh, their giving, as well as their attendance, increases. And a depressed community is uplifted, is challenged by the positive uh, outreach of this church. The difference, one, again, one church followed God's formula for success, while the other did not. And so we can see that this success can come in, to an individual or to a church collectively based on if we follow God's plan. And so I, I pray that this is your desire here. What is God's formula, you ask, for victorious living? It is seen right here in this two verses, Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Paul tells us all about it right here in these two verses. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so God's formula for victorious living. I'll give it to you in just a moment. But before we do that, let's just pray and ask God to have his way here in this, this time. Father, we do call upon you for wisdom and direction. Help us all, each one of us, to just draw that circle around our life, saying, Lord, here am I, here am I standing or kneeling or sitting in the need of prayer. It's me, Lord, that needs something from your word. I want to be victorious. I want to be what you want me to be to accomplish the things that will please and honor you that will have an impact upon this world for a good. Lord, I pray that today you would have your way. Help each and every individual and whatever they're facing. For we ask this in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Here it is, God's formula. God's capability plus our availability equals limitless possibilities so god's capability plus our availability leads or equals a limitless possibility so let's talk about the lord's capability there in verse uh, 20 that we've already read now unto him unto god is speaking thereof that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think now i want you to notice here the greatness of god's capability Whatever we imagine God doing, uh, he is able to do un unmeasurably more than we could ever think of. Now, let me ask you this question. What, what would you like to see God do? What would you like to see God do? You don't need to answer out loud, but you have a thought in your mind, in your heart. And, um, but what is the, the greatest thing that you can possibly imagine I spoke to uh, someone this past week. Uh, he said, in fact, it was a, a man that we met with, Brother Chuck. We had um, Brother uh, Todd Meinhold and his son Austin. I don't know if you remember, we met out in the fellowship hall out here him last year. In November, they were both, they do constructing work, building churches and such. And his son Austin, I think he's around 28, fell off the roof, 28 feet onto concrete. His dad said he was on the roof with him, and he couldn't do anything. He, as fast as he could, he got down off the roof, went to his son. Son's lying there on the concrete. He thought he was dead. But miraculously, and that's what he kept saying, it was just a miracle, uh, he did survive. He just, in fact, he just got out of the hospital like two weeks ago. So he's been in the hospital since November. And, uh, and in fact, it affected his memory and such, and so crushed his one arm and messed up some other things, as you can imagine. 
But I'm just saying, even, the, uh, even him in that situation, he's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the doctors are saying this is a miracle that he survived this. And how many times have you heard that? You've been to a doctor, and some doctors say, oh, there's no hope, there's nothing we can do. You have so many days to live. Now, no, no doctor can honestly say that. It may appear that way, but it's all in God's hands. I, I could give illustrations, so could you, one after another, of people who were supposed to have been dead 20 years ago, and they are still alive. It's a miracle. Well, God does still perform miracles. The greatest miracle, I think, is when a person gets born again. What a miracle takes place then. But Paul, he uh, talked about the capability of God here, and it's, it's the, you know, he can do um, the greatest thing that's, that we can possibly imagine. And Paul tells us that God is able to do even beyond what we think and, uh, or, or we can imagine. So while we might face situations and, and the outlooks uh, on the, in those situations, they don't look very bright. Uh, it doesn't look good at all in that, that particular situation we may be in. Remember this on whatever you are facing. Remember this. Uh, with God, the uplook is always bright. The, the uplook is always bright. The outlook may not, it may not, you may not see any way this could come out for good. The outlook doesn't look good. But the uplook, keep your eyes upon him. It's always bright. The trouble with a lot of us is that we, we shrink our view of God. We shrink him down to our level of understanding. And there's a book out by J.B. Phillips that uh, discusses the many misconceptions that Christians have of God. Uh, you, you know, you could, again, interview people on the street, and you'd find all kinds of different answers about who God is. And they uh, have a, uh, people, even in churches, have different views of who God is. There, uh, a lot of that misunderstanding mis or confusion is based upon their lack of knowledge of the Word of God. And so... Uh, the Word of God does clearly tell us, but in that book, he, or he wrote a book, J.B. Phillips, and the title of it is really a profound challenge to each and every one of us here this morning. Listen to this title. Your God is too small. Your God is too small. The God that you have perceived in your mind, the one that you, how you look to at God, how your understanding uh, is of him, is too small. So what is your understanding of God? Is, is God, your God, too small? Um, now, if we're, uh, uh, or, or maybe you have the understanding that the Apostle Paul had here uh, about God. If we're going to live the victorious Christian life, overcoming the, the uh, circumstances or whatever we face, instead of being overwhelmed, then we must follow God's formula for success that, that uh, God gave to the Apostle Paul here, and he writes to us here in the book of Ephesians. And so, victorious living, believe in the unmeasurable ability or capability of our God. With God, nothing is impossible. But we need to add something to that. That is, we need to add something to God's ability. Yes, God is able, he is capable of doing anything. But add to that our availability. Availability. Look at the uh, second part of verse 20 there. 
uh, speaking abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. As important as, important as it is, our, our faith in God's capability, and that is very important, it is equally important that we make sure our, that we are available to God, that our availability is there. There's no question about God's capability, but are we making ourselves available to him to work his power through us? That's the question. You see, God works his wonders often through uh, human instruments. That's his plan. I, I know there's been times in my thinking, I thought, well, my, how, you know, it seems like the job would have got done better doing it some other way. But God chose to use us. And then on other times in my life, I think, God, I'm so thankful that you chose to involve me in this great task. And, but uh, it, it's true, we need, without making ourselves available, we're not going to accomplish anything. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are laborers together. Laborers together. I know, again, we're in a society today where it seems more and more people want to get out of work rather than work. Work is a curse word. Uh, but here the Lord tells us that we are laborers together. We are to be serving, working together here uh, with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now, if we're going to live victorious by the power of God, then we must learn to cooperate with God. Uh, now, notice here how Paul says that the degree of victory that we experience in our individual lives is in direct proportion to the degree that we uh, allow God's power to work in and through us. So God has the power. He is making it available to us. But the only thing that can stop that is us. We say, well, Lord, you know, we want to do our own thing. We want to live our own way. And we um, uh, block the power of God working through us. In other words, the more available my life is to God, the more I say, Lord, here am I, send me, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I will be what you want me to be. The more we are there in that position, the freer God is to, to uh, work through and in our lives with his power and to, to accomplish those things which are uh, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine or think, as Paul puts it here. And so how do I make my life available to God? Well, let me get into more detail about that. And if you would turn over to Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. How do I make myself more available to God? In Psalm 37, we'll find some answers here. Uh, verse 4. Well, I'm in the wrong spot. Sorry about that. Yes, there it is. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, what we do oftentimes, we want to focus on that last part. He'll give us the desires of our heart. That's what the Bible says here, but we didn't take the first part. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Then he, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way, verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall, not maybe, hope so, think so, he shall bring it to pass. Now, that's a wonderful uh, passage here. It teaches us how to make our lives available to God. Two, uh, two life-giving principles, I think, are taught here in the, 
uh, book of Psalms, chapter 37, verses 4 and 5. Number one, what I delight in will determine my desires. What I delight in will determine my desires. Uh, verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So as I delight in the Lord, as I delight in doing his will, and, and he, he will plant in my heart desires that are consistent with his, um, and his will, his plan for my life. So they become parallel. Uh, when, when, my, when I delight in the Lord, what I now am desiring is the same thing that God desires for me because my heart is in tune with God. I'm right with God. I want to do his will. What, what I delight in will determine my desires. God will not give um, his revelation or his, um, he will not work in and through an individual that will not obey him or her. Um, let me say that, I said it wrong, because God will not uh, work through him or her to obey him, that don't obey him. If you don't obey God, don't expect God to work in your life and to see those uh, unmeasurable blessings that are beyond what we ask or think. It's not going to happen. So what I delight in will determine my desires. Then secondly, what I depend on will determine my destiny. What I depend on will determine my destiny. There in verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. As I depend upon God, and then show, uh, he, then I, I depend upon him to show me how and when he wants me to be, uh, what he wants me to be, what he wants me to do in life, how he wants me to proceed in life uh, that, that, that consists with his will, his plan for me, uh, then, uh, then I'm able to perform that. His power will go to work to enable me to perform what he's called me to do. What we often do, we look at a task ahead of us, we feel that the, this is what the Lord wants us to do, but then we convince ourselves, I can't do that. I can't do that. But again here, what I depend on will determine my destiny. If you're depending upon the church to get you to heaven, you're mistaken. You're, you're not heading to heaven at all. You're going the wrong direction because the only way to heaven is just what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's not through the church. It's not through baptism. It's not through our good deeds. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what I depend on will determine my destiny. And uh, uh, so 1 Thessalonians, I'll just read this uh, phrase, this part of that verse there. I guess it's the whole verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You see, God says there, I, what I call you to do, I will do it through you. I will enable you. I will empower you. I will help you. So it's not us alone trying to perform. When we're in the will of God, we have his power. We have uh, his presence with us. Maybe some of you have heard this illustration before. Uh, Paderewski was a and I may be saying his name incorrectly, but he was a famous composer, pianist, and he was uh, scheduled to perform in a great concert hall here in America, 
And it was a, 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 an evening that um, wouldn't soon be forgotten. But there were people there. They all were, men were wearing their tuxedos and the ladies wearing their uh, nice uh, dress gowns. And, and it was quite a high society extravaganza. And also in that audience that night, there was a, a mother who had with her her nine-year-old son. Her nine-year-old son did not want to sit still for a minute. And she was trying to teach him piano, had been working with him for some time, and she thought this would be a great way to introduce him uh, to this uh, great pianist, and maybe he'll have a desire to uh, play piano then. And so while she was sitting there with her nine-year-old son who could not sit still at all, uh, the, the concert hadn't started, she began a conversation with a person next to her, and she did something but probably most of us parents have done at one time or another, took her eyes off the boy, and the boy was gone. And he took off, and he found his way down the stairs, found his way up some more stairs, and he was there he was on the platform, on the stage of this huge concert. He went, went to that beautiful black grand piano and the leather padded bench, and he sat down upon that bench, and people kind of, whoa, what's going on here? And, and he began to play the chopsticks. And uh, people were upset. They said, get that boy out of here. Get him away from the piano. And who would bring a kid to, to something like this? And, and, you know, they're all complaining. Where's his mother at? Uh, and uh, I'm sure she by then was hiding somewhere. But uh, somebody stopped him, they said. Now, backstage, the master pianist, he heard all of this, and he realized what was going on. So he put his jacket on quickly and walked out on the stage, got up behind the boy, reached around both sides of him, and just kept whispering to the boy, keep playing, don't stop. And he began to play along with him uh, the chopsticks. And of course, uh, adding to this quite a bit, harmonizing with him. And the audience was just amazed at what became of some simple little chopsticks was a beautiful piece what played along with the uh, concert pianist. So as the two of them played, uh, Paderewski kept whispering to that boy, keep going, don't quit, keep on playing, don't stop, don't quit. The boy obeyed, and together with the master pianist, he played, and they literally brought the house down. Now, you and I, you may think, well, I'm not much talent. There's not much I can do. But let's remember this. The master, the creator of all, God Almighty himself, wants to bring his hands around you and work through you and empower you and harmonize with you to create a masterpiece in your life. Now, when we make our lives available to God through obedience, and that's basically how we do it, I want to obey the Lord, do what the Lord tells you to do. We can hear what he wants us to do. We can learn how and when we're supposed to do it. And as we obey him, that is when his power is freed up to work in and through us in such a way to make that masterpiece in our lives. Um, if you would, turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Very familiar verse. I want you to see this verse in Ephesians 2, verse 10. I know oftentimes we read uh, verses 2, 8, and 9, which are great verses, but in verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship. That word could also be translated masterpiece. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I know I don't look at myself like a masterpiece at all. But God wants to make us his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So sometimes when we obey God, we are called, we're called on to trust him in the dark. We can't see God. We can talk to him, but we don't hear an audible voice talking back to us, or if you do, probably something's wrong. Um, but but uh, we, we are called on to just trust him by faith, or as some would say, in the dark. Uh, you, you know, I don't have all the answers. Well, you don't need all the answers, just trust him. I don't know how this is all going to work out. Well, that's okay, just trust him. So you could say it's, it's like uh, trusting him in the dark. We, we hear him, we we, we relate to him by faith, but after time, as things come together through our continued step-by-step -step obedience to his will, we are allowed to see God. Now, I, you know, I'm not talking about uh, seeing him in person, but uh, seeing him work in our lives as he walk, walks in our lives and as he, as he empowers us, enables us to accomplish his will in this world. He shows up. Has there been some times in your life, and I hope so, Christian, if you're not, you're missing out, where God showed up? Now, you, you say, well, Pastor, I, he's always there. You're right. But I mean some times when we have made ourselves available to him in such a way, God, I'm all yours. Here am I. Send me. Use me. Do whatever you want with me. Then God shows up, and God enables us in such a miraculous way. We are amazed. And he... he uh, we will never be disappointed with God. And we will, we will be ready to take our relationship with him, even though we cannot see him physically, e e even though uh, uh, in our human way we, we want, maybe we want something more, but when we're walking in his will, when he has enabled us in such a way, working that masterpiece in our life, then we move up to that next level in our spiritual walk. Let me just inform you here if you're not aware of this no one has arrived on this earth none of us can say well you know what i'm i'm there I, i'm right where i should be i'm equal with god no none of us can say that we've all fallen short but god wants us to continue to grow wherever you are in other words don't be content with where you are spiritually well bless god this is about as far as i can go Maybe on your own it is, but God wants to do something more through your life. God, we were talking about this in Sunday school, wants to give us that abundant life right here, right now. It's not just something in the distance that we look forward to, and there's a lot to look forward to, but right now, God has given us so much, and I pray that you are experiencing that. Romans 10, 11, turn over there if you would, please. Um, we'll never be disappointed with God. When he shows up, when he works in our lives, we'll be ready to, to uh, uh, take that next step in our spiritual lives, whatever it may be, whatever God wants us to do. Because we'll realize, I'm not alone in this. Romans 10, 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be, what's that next word? Ashamed. Well, that's true. Paul uses that word in chapter 1 of the book of Romans, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But here it could even be translated disappointed. Not be ashamed, not disappointed. I, have you ever been disappointed with someone? I, I have. Sure you have. 
maybe your own child disappointed you because of a bad decision they made or someone that was close to you. They uh, let you down. They disappointed you. Let me just assure you, I guarantee you, God will never disappoint you. He'll never let you down. God wants the best for you and I. Well, let me get to the next point here. So God's capability plus our availability, if we've made ourselves available to God, God enables us. And then thirdly, we have limitless possibilities. Limitless possibilities. There in verse 21, oh, I have left Ephesians chapter 3. Let me find my way back there just a second. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world throughout end. Amen. And so Paul, he concludes by saying that when God, when God, uh, uh, when God's capability is uh, understood, is combined with our lives that we have made ourselves available to him, and uh, and then, or even as a church, as his, as his children individually or as a church collectively, then um, uh, we've made our, ourselves available to God. The, the, limit, it, the, the possibilities are limitless of what God can do in, in, in and through us. A lot of Christians live in defeat. I know this is true. Maybe you're here this morning and this is where you find yourself. You're defeated. And uh, you live there because they, you, you can't see the possibilities for victory. You can't see how in the world I can be victorious over this sin, over this situation that I've encountered, whatever it may be. And, and the reason they, that you can't see the possibilities for victory is that you're not following God's formula for success, victorious living. You lack in God's uh, faith in God's capability. God's capability isn't lacking, but our faith might be in what God can do. And we refuse to make ourselves available for his use. Maybe you were scared. Lord, if I, if I give you that blank check, I don't know what you're going to ask of me. That's true. That's what God wants. Here it is, Lord, whatever you want. Blank check, blank page. You do with me as you see fit. And making ourselves available to him because uh, they're unwilling to obey God may be the reason. If I make myself available in such a way, I'm going to have to obey him, and I, they're not ready to take that step. So as a result, rather than thinking in terms of possibilities, they focus on the impossibilities. Now, it's true, uh, one who lives according to God's formula for victorious living, who has faith in God's capability, who has made themselves available to him, and um, then sees that the limitless possibilities, uh, they uh, will be a possibility thinker, not an impossibility thinker. What are you today? Are you an impossibility thinker or a possibility? Let me give you some examples. A possibility thinker makes opportunities out of his calamities. An impossibility thinker makes calamities out of his opportunities. A possibility thinker always finds a solution. An impossibility thinker always finds an excuse. A possibility thinker looks at a glass and says it's half full. And an impossibility thinker looks at a glass and says it's half empty. A possibility thinker sees an answer for every problem. 
an impossibility thinker sees a problem for every answer. And a possibility thinker says it may be difficult, but it's not impossible. Impossibility thinker says it may be impossible, but it's too difficult. And um, so which kind of thinker are you? Oh, what kind of, this, this will determine what kind of life you're living. What kind of faith do you have? You see, which kind of thinker are you? Paul says it's possible by the power of God, not by his abilities or power. Paul said uh, uh, it's by God's power that he's able to do all things. So that power is freed up to work in and through us when we make ourselves available by obeying his word, by doing his will. We make ourselves available through obedience. So this power is needed for the work to be done in the church as God intends for it to be done uh, at, from his people here in this place. And it will bring glory to God uh, for generations to come if we uh, make ourselves available in such a way to obey him and see those limitless possibilities. Even for those children that are not born yet will experience the results of a church, of a people who had faith in God's capabilities, who made themselves available, and then just trusted God to work in and through them and see those limitless possibilities. So what's lacking in your walk with God today? I'm not judging anyone. I don't, I'm not pointing my finger at anyone. I'm just saying in all of us, what is lacking? Some of us need to open our minds to consider God's capabilities. Let's remember who we serve. God is able. And some of us need to open our hearts and offer our availability. Lord, here am I. And some of us need to open our eyes and see the possibilities. What we think is impossible, it's, it's nothing for God to do. Let's trust him today. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.